so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I'm becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. And I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're sitting by somebody, go on and slap them high five and say, we got to glorify God in our family. Amen. Well, open up your note sheet and let's get started. You're going to follow along and fill in the blanks. So um, we're focused on the manifested glory of God. God said this would be the year of his manifested glory. I feel like with everything that's happened so far that the stage has been set. Hallelujah. For God to glorify his name. Um, We've been focusing on glorifying God in our families. Um, You know, God didn't come. He, He didn't give Jesus to come and die on the cross so we could live just a halfway life. And many times it's in family that we miss it more than anywhere else. It's a place where we're most relaxed. It's a place where we're more than likely to cut up and act up and to mistreat one another because we're at home. Hey, you know, people don't see what's going on at home. So at home is a place where we can miss it the most. And so uh, we want to make sure that we are focused on glorifying God in our families, that we leave our old ways behind and that we chart a new course towards glorifying God. Amen. So let's look at glorifying God in family. Number one, glorifying God always starts with a personal decision to do things God's way. To do things God's way. How many of you know God says, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways, than the heavens are from the earth. And so we have to learn what God's will is for our families and, and seek to do the word so that we can glorify God in our families. Amen? So if we do it his way, then we'll, we'll, we're going to glorify God. But that's, that's a decision. You, gotta, you can't have a lack of knowledge. And so that's why we're talking about ways that we can glorify God in our family. When we get along, that's good. When we stay together, that's good. Amen. So um, it, when we decide to do things God's way, look at that this, um, this quote from D.L. Moody. It says, a man ought to live so that everybody knows he's a Christian. And most of all, his family ought to know. Did I, did I not put that in the? Okay, I didn't put it in there. Yeah, but um, so it says a man ought to live so that everybody knows he's a Christian. And most of all, his family ought to know. Amen. If you need to repent, if there's something that, you know, you fell out with your kids or you, you were harsh or whatever, when you repent, that glorifies God. Amen. So we live as Christians while we're at home. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. Jesus said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. So doing things God's way, Jesus would have rather not had to go God's way to the cross and all the things that he had to do. He would have rather not had to go that way. But he said, he got himself together and said, not my will, but let your will be done. And that's something we have to do every single day is decide, God, not my will, but let your will be done. And sometimes that cuts across the grain. When God tells you to forgive, when God tells you to change something you're doing, when you know it's the other person who's wrong, that, that's like plowing your field crossways. Amen. But we got to decide, I'm, I'm in this and God has the right to tell me what to do. And it may not be easy, but I say, just like Jesus did in that garden, 
Yet not my will, but let your will be done. I'm going to do it your way, God, so that you get the glory. John the Baptist said, um, he must increase and I must decrease. So in order to do that, we have to decrease so that God can increase. Amen? Joshua 24, 15 says, as for me and my house or my family, we will serve the Lord. Notice Joshua started with himself. As for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. Kevin, could you turn me down in the sanctuary just a little bit? Because I feel like I'm too loud. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Message Bible says, as for me and my family, we'll worship God. But he started with himself and said, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be um, uh, living and serving the Lord. Amen. So we have to, it starts with us. We have to choose, even if nobody else in the family gets it right now, I'm going to start right and I'm going to release my faith for everyone else to get it right too. Amen. All right. So number two, the biblical principles for success will work for anyone who will work them. The, the success principles that, that God has put in his word for family, if we work those principles, we'll get the results of the word. My, um, my first pastor used to say, the word works by works. For those who work the word by works, our faith is an act. If you're in faith for your family to come around and everybody to serve God and there's some areas that need to be healed, people in the family that need to be healed, you know, begin to work the word. And begin to declare that God, you're, you're going to be, you're able to change this. And begin to speak the word. Look out for your situation. If there's somebody in your family who's addicted, you know, begin to speak the word of God over them. I declare in Jesus' name that they're not drunk with wine or drugs or whatever it is. But they're um, ever filled and stimulated with the power of the Holy Spirit. I break the power of addiction over my family member. Amen. If they're just being stubborn, God, I come against this stubborn spirit in the name of Jesus. And I pray that they're free to hear your voice and free to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But you got to go to work. you got to go to work and begin to work the word over your family and over yourself, over yourself. So these principles are work. They will work. You know, Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says that we should meditate day and night. The one who, who is successful says you'll have good success. Is the he'll ha- Whatever he does will prosper is the one who meditates day and night in the word of God. Julie, is everything okay? Okay. Yeah, is the one who meditates day and night. Um, everything he does will prosper. And then Joshua 1.8 says that if we meditate day and night, we'll make our own way prosperous and we'll have good success. Amen. So we have to stay in the word and, and keep working that word in our lives. Amen. All right. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a good, a a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and present pleasant riches. So we got to we got to get the wisdom and the knowledge on how to get our family straightened out. Number three, the Holy Spirit brings fruit into our hearts that overflows to others. So the Holy Spirit is your next blank right there. You know, the day of Pentecost is about when the Holy Spirit was poured out. They spoke with other tongues. He said, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's dunamis, wonder-working power. And that's wonderful. But you know, he came to bring more than just wonder-working power. He came to bring a fruit to our lives. He came to bring power to be cool. Power to be cool with with your loved ones. He came to bring us love. 
Joy and love is not an emotion that you feel. Love is work. Love is patient and love is kind and love doesn't take into account a suffered wrong. Amen. So, so he comes to, give, to bring us love and as we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit that other people need from us. So love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, long-suffering. I don't think that's fair at all. <laughs> I don't think I ought to have to suffer long, but sometimes we do. Amen. We, we have to, we're in families with people that, you know, they're our family. They're our blood. We're stuck with them. Amen. And so, um, so yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness. You know, kindness goes a long way. Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just being polite goes a long way. Amen. So this is the fruit that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives that others need from us. Amen. So Galatians 5, through 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Amen. Now, let's do the amplified version of this. Amen. It says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes. So he came more to just help us speak. He came to do more than to just help us speak in tongues. Amen. He came to produce this kind of fruit in our lives. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, and humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such, there is no law that can bring a charge. Now listen to it in the message translation. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears on an orchard. You know, you can tell that you're getting mature in God when these things just naturally flow out of you. You can get so mature that you don't even have to work on it hard. You don't even have to work on trying to keep your mouth shut because you know how easily it is to just go off. Any fool can go off and mess up your whole family. But you know you're getting mature when you don't even have to think about it and you just cool. Amen. So what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. You know, before I became a pastor, I was a portrait photographer. And one of the hardest things that I had to do as a portrait photographer was to photograph families. Because people came in with such expectations of getting the perfect picture of their family. And I was very good at it. I Don't get me wrong. I was very good at getting good pictures of families. That's why people came from everywhere. That's why I had a waiting list. But people came in with expectation to get everybody looking perfect all at the same time, which is nearly impossible to do, especially if you've got little kids. Because I'd 
you know, pose the whole family, get everybody's clothes straight, get everybody straightened out, make sure, you know, feet are pointed the right way because you don't ever want to look at the bottom of somebody's feet. So you've got to make sure people's feet are tucked over this way, that you're not looking at, you know, the back of somebody's hands, but you're looking at the side of their hands. You know, good portrait photographers are very painstaking. So you're making sure everything looks just right. And then you tell the parents, now y'all keep looking at me with your best fake smile, and then I'm going to run and get the children to smile and jump back out of the way and snap the picture in that moment that the child smiles. And I've just, I've told adults, this is what we're about to do. And the adults, when I start to play with the kids, oh my goodness, look at this monkey's going to get your nose. Oh, no, 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 my goodness. And you get them to smile, can you bite my finger? Ow, you almost bit my finger. And the parents will always look down to try to help the kids smile. Okay, let me tell you again. Parents, you look at me while I'm going to get them to smile. It was nearly impossible to do. I could do it, but it was hard. And it's hard, you know, families are not perfect. And it's hard to get everybody to do the right thing at the same time. But if you, if you work the principles of God, and if everybody in the family works together, if that one person will stand up and say, as for me and my house, as for me and this family, we will serve the Lord. Even if you're just in faith about some people who have no desire to follow God, you decide I'm going to be the first one who stands up <clears throat> and, and says, not my family. Amen. My family is going to live for God. Amen. So great relationships are not about finding the right person, but it's about being the right person. And you got to decide, I'm going to be that person. Can you just wave this morning and say, I'm going to be that person, that wife. I'm going to be that husband. I'm going to be that child. I'm going to be that sister. I'm going to be that daughter. I'm going to be what I need to be. All right, number two. Today I wanted to talk to you about the little things. The little things. Sometimes the little things end up being the big things. Little things can cause great damage or bring great joy. Malachi 2.15 says, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. Somebody say the smallest details. It's the little things. It's the God wants to be even in on the, the little things, the smallest details. Let's put God in there. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God, that's, that's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. So you've got to guard that and really let God be in even the small details of your marriage. Song Song of Solomon 2 and verse 15 says, catch us the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. So sometimes it's the little things that you do that make the greatest impact. And it's the the little things that you do that can make the most destruction. Amen. Because how many of you know things can pile up? This little thing added to that little thing and that little thing added on top of that ends up being something big. Amen. So um, little thoughts, little words, little irritations, little issues that we make big. So we got to catch the little foxes, cage them, and clean up the damage. Amen. Do we have the picture of the little fox up there? I thought he was so cute. They look cute, but, but foxes are sly. They'll mess up your gardens. They'll, they'll mess up, they'll, um, you know, eat your kittens. They'll, they're terrible. So one of the little things we can do that doesn't seem like much, but it it, it goes a long way. Number one thing you can do is listen. Listen. People have a need to be heard. People in your family need to know that you care enough to hear what they're saying. And if they keep saying the same thing over and over, it may be that you're not getting it that you're not really listening to what they're saying. James 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So 
Um, being listened to and heard is one of the greatest desires of the human heart. Those who learn to listen are the most loved and the most respected. And the person who wrote that was the one who said, don't see, wrote the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And it's all small stuff. Being listened to and heard is one of the greatest desires of the human heart. Those who learn to listen are the most loved and respected. So we need to learn to listen. Proverbs 18.2, it says, A fool does not find joy in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. So flip that coin over. If that's what a fool does, somebody who's wise listens and understands what somebody's trying to tell them. Say, wait a minute, let me repeat it back to you. What I think I hear you saying is that you would rather I didn't do A, B, C, and D. Is that what you're saying to me? Let me, let me make sure and repeat it back to them. That would make a person feel so much more valued that they know that you're hearing what they're saying. Amen. And then you take it to your prayer closet and say, Lord, how can I change this? And really work, be willing to work on it. Amen. But it starts with listening. So we have to hear what our families are saying to us. So what do we need to do? Number one, listen. Number two thing we need to do is be kind. And in, in families is the easiest place to, to just get, um, take people for granted and to treat people any kind of way. But in family, being kind, it's like a giraffe eating a sandwich. A little bit goes a long way. Amen. Amen. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-one says, The man who tries to be good, loving, and kind finds life, righteousness, and honor. So that's something that, you know, if we've been, been um, not kind with our family, we need to decide, you know what, I'm going to be kind. You know, and, and kindness goes even when, who I don't know why I'm saying this, but with answering the phone when somebody calls, responding even if you don't feel like it. You know, that's disrespectful and unkind. You know, I think we need to really work on not being disrespectful to one another because you can get in a habit of disrespect, a habit of acting this way or acting, you know, um, unkind to one another. What does the word kind mean? It's the quality of being friendly generous and considerate, tenderhearted. You know, you probably wouldn't treat your friends the way that you treat the people you live with. Okay. Amen. Tenderhearted, being considerate, just being considerate to one another. You know, people are designed to move away from pain and move towards pleasure. So it causes people to, we repel people, we repel the very people that we should, you know, be close to because we're not being considerate or tenderhearted. So here's another um, uh, quote from Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. He says, choose to be kind over being right, and you'll be right every time. That's good. You know, do you want to be right or do you want to be righteous? Just choose to be kind, amen? So um, we got we to gotta catch it and deal with it if we're not being kind in our own homes. So number three. So what was number one? Number two? Number three, don't be demanding over things that don't really matter. You know, we need to put some things in perspective. Put some things in perspective. And, you know, the thing about a magnifying glass is that you can choose what you're going to focus on. You choose something to focus on, and you can make it get bigger. Amen. So sometimes we use the magnifying glass in the long way, in the wrong way, when we're demanding over things that don't really matter. We have to put things in their proper perspective. You know, some people are battling cancer today. Somebody's holding their child for the last time today. 
Somebody's burying somebody in their, in their family today. Somebody's saying, I'll, I'll never see that person again this side of eternity. You know, put things in perspective. You know, we're magnifying things that don't matter. You know, fussing about stuff. You know, whose turn is it to take out the trash? Or who's supposed to load the dishwasher? Who's supposed to empty the dishwasher? You know, we're, we're falling out and acting a fool over, over stuff that, that really doesn't matter. So let's put things in proper perspective. So remember that, you know, um, my goodness, I, I'm not a perfectionist anymore. But, you know, I, I, if I like this right here exactly like that, that's how I like it. The soap dispenser goes right here, turned just like this. My toothbrush goes exactly right here. The, the pillows on the couch go a certain way. I, I made uh, pillows that had elephants on them, you know, and I'd come in the room and the elephants would be upside down. I'm like, ugh. You know, is the house for the people or the people for the house? We have to decide that the little things... Just let them be little things. Let your family be comfortable. So I've had to lighten up in a lot of ways, but, you know, I still will, like, fold the toilet paper on the end so that it looks like a, you know, a little, an envelope. Anybody else do that? Am I the only one? Nobody else? I'm the only one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all pray for me. Stretch your hands out this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's OCD. I know. I, I, it's OCD. It came from uh, PTSD, which gave way to GAD, general anxiety disorder, everything but an STD, but not because I wasn't trying. Right. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, OCD. I memorize the license plate sometime too. That doesn't bother other people because that just happens in my head. If it's coming out of the dishwasher, it's getting counted as it goes up. If, if it's going in the dishwasher, it gets counted as it goes in. If I go up the stairs, I count my steps. If I come down, I count my steps. If I walk to my car, I'm counting my steps. I count everything. Sometimes I'm like, stop! But it doesn't bother anybody else because nobody, nobody else knows what's going, going on in here. But, you know, with this kind of thing, you can drive people crazy. You know, because you, you have that personality. It could be from things that have gone on in your life. For me, PTSD, I've been through some trauma and some things that, that, that really messed me up. But, um, you know, for some people, it's just that they have a different personality. You know, with this perfection and this wanting things to be done right, there's a high administrative gift that I have. Amen. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an administrator. It, um, um, I, it's a gift. To organize things and to be a leader, it's a gift. You know, I like to say that I'm not bossy. I just have better ideas than other people. <laughs> you know, it's just that leadership. So, so there's a gift that goes with this that's effective in the body of Christ. It's effective in my household. My husband loves that I'm organized. He loves that when we come home, our house looks like a model home. Because I want the pillars facing up like they're supposed to be, the, the, the blue one behind the, the other one. And, you know, that's, that's how it's But My husband loves that. But if you're driving people crazy, and this, this is not just women, this is men too. You can be just so overbearing and got people walking a tightrope that just has, some people have a personality, what's it called, Pastor Carolyn? Is it a sanguine personality? The ones that are just happy, go lucky, the party type. Yeah, I came in. Yes, praise the Lord. No problem. Yes, hallelujah. It's a mess, but it'll be all right. That's you, Pastor Carolyn? 
Yeah, see, some people, it doesn't matter if things are a mess. But, you know, some people are real uptight about that. And you know what? That's probably not okay for a lot of people. You know, the beauty of the home is order. You know, we ought to try to keep things in order, but not so ordered that we, that we order the fun out and that we order the peace out. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no relaxation because we're worried we're going to turn the pillow the wrong way. Hallelujah. So we've got to allow our families to just, you know, chill. And, you know, um, chores and things that we do around the house, you know, if one person's doing it all, that person really begins to feel like they're being taken for granted. And that's not, that's not right. What what you mean? What you say? Oh, she said, amen. <laughs> yeah, we get some amen. We get some strong amens on that. Because if, you know, if you feel like you're doing it all, but, you know, you've got to raise your children to know that they have to do chores because that's the real world. Amen. That's the real world. When they go to college, nobody's going to wash their clothes for them. They're going to have to go to a J-O-B and earn an M-O-N-E-Y. Amen. So we have to, t- um, you know, teach them um, and give them chores to do and divide it up, have a family meeting. You know, I believe you ought to have a family meeting to, d- to discuss things. Mom and dad, you need to get in agreement without the kids that present. Yeah. You get in agreement. You're running this thing. Yeah. The kids are not running the household. You have to be the parent, and for a season, you parent those kids. And then when you're, when you're done, Bye-bye. y'all have a, you, you know, go be good adults. But you, you, you've got to train children in a household. If one person is doing all the work, it's not fair. And a person begins to feel unappreciated. And uh, that's not right. That's not right. We ought to respect one another enough. Mom and dad, y'all have a meeting. I don't think you ought to fight and fuss every single day. Don't fight and fuss. Okay, we, we, we fought about this today. We got this straightened out. Now let's wait a week. Everybody have their own pad for the family meeting. And you, get, you, you, you have a family meeting once a week. So we're going to fuss, but we're going to do it once a week. And when we're done, we're going to go eat, and, and it's over with till next week. So we can expect six days of bliss. Yeah. And on the seventh day, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Amen. No, but you bring up those things, and you can bring them up in a way that you're not, um, you know, all in your emotions and in your feelings. You can say, okay, this is what happened. This is how, I, how it makes me feel. Um, what can we do to change these guidelines or to make, make, you know, everybody comes together and you have a meeting. But mom and dad, y'all get an agreement first without kids feeling like y'all are going behind each other. Because if one kid knows he can play the other, one against the other, they will do it. Raise your hand if you used to do it when you were a kid. Y'all lying. Some of us wouldn't dare. But they will play you against one another, and then there's just all kinds of hell going on in the house. And that's not what God, he didn't, he didn't come and die to give us a defeated household and just mess and hell going on all the time. That's not, that's not what God wants us to live. So we have to come together with wisdom, with understanding, and really just apply some guidelines and let them know what the consequences are. Guidelines and consequences are very scriptural. God told Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of this tree, dying you shall die. So when they ate of the tree, wasn't no sense in fussing about it. God just said, come on, let's walk on out the, you out the garden now. 
and he walked them out. So you don't have to have a bunch of drama in your household when people go against the guidelines. Doesn't have to be a lot of drama because you already knew what the consequences would be when you made the decision to go against the guidelines. Amen. But my point in saying all this is that we shouldn't be so, you know, organized that we can't have fun, that we can't relax. You know, if, it, if the pillows bother you being flipped upside down, go and flip them back over yourself. Amen? All right. So the house is for the people, not the, not the people for the house. Amen. All right. Number four. What was number one? Number two? Number three? Number four. Don't complain more than we appreciate. Don't complain more than we appreciate. We should make a list of things that we appreciate about our loved ones and let them know. Voice it. Say it out loud. Let them know, I appreciate that you did this. I appreciate that you think this way. I appreciate that you took care of that and I didn't have to think about it. I appreciate. We need to appreciate people more than we complain. I think if we would appreciate more things that people do, that they would be more apt to want to, because people move towards pleasure, right? When they're appreciated and you make a big deal about it, they move towards you. Amen. Proverbs twenty-one nineteen says, It's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife or husband. I'm an equal opportunity uh, rebuker. So it's better to live alone than in the, and, and, and in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. You can get in a habit of complaining that will drive everybody nuts. It becomes a habit. Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife or husband is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. So complaining can become a habit. So is appreciation. Begin to make lists, make a list of things and you just let, write somebody a note every day. Write your spouse a note. Let them know how much you appreciate what they do. Criticism is destructive. So like I said, fuss once a week in your family meeting and, and don't let it be critiqued. You know, you can say anything if you put it in a love sandwich. Giving them the truth in love is what the Bible says. Give, don't be afraid to give people the truth in love. See, the problem is we want to throw the truth. Well, it's true. Yeah, but where's the love? We're, we're not like everybody else. We're not like the word. We got to have this love fruit flowing out of us. Amen. So you can say, you know, maybe it's that, you, that you're messy. You know, um, that this person is messy that's in your family. Okay, I need to address that your mess is beginning to bother me. And so here's what you do. You got to put it in a love sandwich and say, you know, I appreciate that you um, are working so hard and you're, you're working so hard on your education. And I appreciate that you are uh, getting good grades. And, you know, I just, I'm so proud of you for how well you're doing. You know, now let me talk to you about your room. You know, it's beginning to bother me. It stinks in there. Um, you know, whatever the situation is, because, you know, teenagers get that smell. It's that smell that comes, comes along with, with teenagers. So, you know, you've got to, you know, they, they have to be, you know, get some Febreze or something. But, you know, it can affect the whole household. So you, you put it in a, you know, you don't say it like I just did, but you just say, you know, it, 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 we're beginning to, to smell your room. We need you to, to you know, take care of that. Um, but then I appreciate so much that you always, anytime I have to bring something to you, you know, you receive it with such joy. I just thank you so much for that. So you put what you had to say in a love sandwich. And it makes it more palatable. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
Man, my first pastor's wife was like that. She'd come in and she'd just brag you up and just let you know how wonderful you are. And then in the course of it, she'd kind of give you some correction while she smiled the whole time just like this. And then she'd end it up with something real sweet again. And you'd walk away feeling so good and you'd get about halfway to your car. Wait a minute, did she just bless me out? I think she just blessed me out, but I feel real good about it. Amen. (laughs) So we can do that. Put it in a love sandwich and it makes it more palatable. Amen. All right. So um, Matthew 7, 1 through 4, it says, Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment, that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. So if you decide in, in, instead to sow appreciation into people, you know, on your job, think of it as a seed. I'm sowing this in my home. It's, I'm sowing it as a seed. So when I go on my job, I've got to be appreciated because that's my crop. Amen, somebody. That's my crop. I sow an appreciation. I'm going to reap appreciation on my job, um, anywhere. Um, Psalm 14, uh, 141.3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And if you've been in the habit of complaining, the habit of putting people down, then you just might have to literally put your hand over your mouth until you get control of yourself. You know, Murray is just, I have to brag on him for a minute because he is just such a sweetheart to live with. He is always saying thank you for the simplest things. Like if he asked me to make a phone call about something or will you check on this and I do it, he'll always say, you know, thank you for doing that. And he'll say it more than once. Like he'll say it once and then we'll get doing something else. He'll say, you know, I, I just have to say thank you again for doing that. So he really reinforces, you know, um, just appreciation. Like if I cook dinner, he compliments my cooking while we're eating. He tells his friends that I'm cooking and that it's really good. Yay! <laughs> that was on my vision board for last year, and I didn't start until this year, but praise the Lord. We got some of them corona calories all over us because of, uh, whew, I was having fun cooking, but I'm like, my goodness, we got to get control of this. So he asked me every morning, how'd you sleep last night? How sweet is that? How, how'd, you, how'd you sleep last night? And he really wants to know. I say, you know, I woke up at 2 and could go back to sleep for another hour. Oh, man, that's terrible. You know, he'll just chime in, and, and he literally wants to know how I slept. He always tells me when we leave on Sundays after church, he'll tell me, and the kids know this when we go to lunch, he'll say four or five times, you did a great job today, babe. Man, you did a good job today. And I'll say, thank you, babe. We'll go a few more miles, babe. You really did a great job today. And I'm telling you, it just makes me feel so good. I mean, I love it when y'all say that I did good, but when he says I did good, it just, just really, it just is worth so much. Amen. So what was number one? Number two? Number three? Number four? More than we appreciate. All right? Number five, choose carefully what you decide to magnify. So I can take some, something little and make it big for good or for bad. Psalm 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So I can make God bigger than my situation. I can take something little that's irritating me and turn it into something big. There was a couple in our church, Brother Bob and Sister Helen. And Brother Bob, um, you know, was about, I don't know, he's about this tall. 
And his wife was like this tall, Sister Helen, and she had real big, high, teased-up hair. And Sister Helen was awesome. Brother Bob was awesome. They were a wonderful couple. But they, they uh, got into a situation where they could not stand each other. They'd been married for like, I don't know, 25 or 30 years. They'd been married a long time. They had children, raised their children together. Grandchildren were um, just about grown. And they decided they could not stand each other. So they came in to um, have marriage counseling at the church. And so the pastor said, okay, what's going on? She said, Brother Don, I can't stand the way he chews. This godly family, now she taught firm foundation class, and, and he was our chief intercessor. But here they are fighting like, like crazy because she don't like the way he chews. You know how when you focus on that one thing and make it bigger than anything else, never mind that he's a godly man. If you've got a godly man, you ought to praise God and, and just work on the things that are little. Just throw the magnifying glass away, but magnify the fact that he's a godly man. He loves God. He wants to come to church. He's here in church. You know, you ought to be praising God that you've got a godly man. A lot of people like to trade places with you. Amen. If there's people are still believing God for their husbands to get saved, you know, and, and here you've got at least got a godly husband, but you don't like how we choose. My goodness. I know it's the little things that can bother you, but those little things, if we make them bigger because we're looking through a magnifying glass, you've got to choose to, to just shut your ears while he eats. Amen. So one thing that we can do, um, you know, we can decide that we're going to reflect the glory of God. So the, instead of looking through a magnifying glass, look in a mirror. Look in a mirror and say, now what's wrong with me that somebody's chewing is making me want to give up on my husband? What's wrong with me? And then maybe flip it around to the five-time side. Woo! And look at yourself. But if you decide to look at the Word and allow it to reflect God's glory on you, Amen. You can make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to do things God's way. I'm going to put the magnifying glass down and I'm going to reflect the glory of the Lord. Did y'all see my face get bright? Amen. When you shine it on the light, a mirror on the light, then it can reflect into your face. Amen. And you can reflect the glory of God. Get God some praise over that. That was pretty cool. Amen. All right. So don't take little things and make it big. Um, you know, sometimes it means taking the low road. You know, go low so that you can go high. I decide that I'm going to go low. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I could, but I'm not going to make a big deal out of this because I'm going to go low so that God can take me high. I could stand up for my rights, but instead I use wisdom and I keep my mouth shut. You know, I, I talked to my sister. She's been married pff, almost 40 years. And uh, she said, you know, the reason I've been married, because she said something her husband had done something or something. I said, why don't you say something to him about that? She said, Sally, the reason I've been married almost 40 years is because I know how to keep my mouth shut. And that's true. Sometimes we got to choose to just take the low road and keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. It's not going to do anything but cause a fight if you bring it up because you know what their position is on the situation. So just take the low road, keep your mouth shut. Don't stand up for your rights. So I don't know of anything that grieves the Holy Spirit more than when we magnify the flaws of a person that he's working on. Ephesians 4, 30 through 30, 32, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. 
Philippians 4, 8. This is real simple right here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, high or excellent qualities, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, is anything, um, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, we get something on our mind that somebody's doing that's irritating us or something that we felt that wasn't right, and we just put it on that magnifying glass, and we just let it get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until we pop, until we explode. So you have to just say, you know what, I'm going to set this on the shelf, and on our meeting, family meeting day, we'll talk about it then. And you know, the only thing to do when, you're, when your mate uh, comes to you and says, you did this, it offended me. The only thing to do is to say, you know, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to offend you or to hurt you. They'll say, well, you... What's that going to do? Decide to see it from their view and from their perspective and say, you know what, I'm so sorry. I will, I will work on that. I sure didn't mean to hurt you. And then look, it's over with. Hey, you can go eat and everybody's fine. Amen? All right. So we have to decide to overcome little things because little bricks can build a big wall. All right? So if you say, okay, you disrespected me. Okay, that's not much. We can get over that. We can deal with that while it's little. But if you don't deal with it and disrespect continues, then maybe you feel disregarded. Then maybe there's somebody's acting passive-aggressive. I can't stand that. Tell me what you're thinking, but don't be playing mind games and acting passive-aggressive. I can't stand that stuff. Anybody else? You can't stand passive-aggressive? I'd rather you just come up and smack me in my face and tell me what you're thinking than to act all goofy and people trying to figure out, read your mind. Passive-aggressive. Oh, that, that's two bricks. That's three bricks in the wall. Passive-aggressive. I don't fool with that. I don't play, I don't play that. Amen. Anybody else feel like that? I don't play passive-aggressive. Tell me what's going on and let's get it worked out. Confrontation is your friend. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever's going on with you, come and talk to me about it and we'll work it out. But don't just be holding on to it and you're not going to talk to me for four or five days. Oh, well. But you're building a wall between the two of you. Um, What else? Being ignored. Taken for granted. Somebody lied. No affection. No sex. Amen. You're pulling away. Somebody tell me something else. Holler something out. These are little bricks. Every day, little bricks. You didn't want to tell me where you were, what you were doing. You disrespected me in front of the kids. Didn't apologize. Tell me something, somebody. Lack of responsibility. I'm doing all the work, and here I am laying in the bed. I'm I'm dog tired, I'm listening to you snore. Tell me something else. Come on. Y'all can't say it because they're right next to you, right? I got you. I got you. Tell me something. Flat out lies. Somebody just lied. Oh, no. I don't play that either. Because then I got to go behind and check everything you say. 
So from now on, I got, I got, I'm not going to have to work that hard. I'm like David, the line, I will not have a, you know, in Psalm 101, where he talks about the, the recipe for a happy home. He said, I will not have liars in my presence. Because I can't, I got to constantly be going around trying to figure out what you're talking, what, what you do. You know, it, what, if you're telling, what you're telling me is the truth or not. So we have to be faithful over the little things. You know, not letting things pile up. Little things that can, can build a great big wall between you. Amen? So, Matthew twenty five twenty one, It says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things or over the little. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So, you know, like I've said several times, Jesus did not come and die for me so that we could live a defeated life. Amen. We can overcome these things. Second Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That includes our homes. Amen. Philippians 4.13. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. That's why I wore my empowerment shirt today because the day of Pentecost is a day of empowerment, not just for going out and preaching the gospel, but for living an empowered life at home. Amen. We can't go out and help everybody else find abundant life and then at home our own homes are a mess. Amen. And ministry is probably one of the easiest places to to blow it because we stay so on edge for ministry. So I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength in me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So in circumstances and situations, um, they, they can change the family unit where we go through times or just seasons. You know, children go through difficult stages in family. Older members need care. Family members can act out in toxic ways, ruin the family reunion. Mental illness. Uh, there's a prolonged illness in the family. Financial issues. People got to pull together. Personality conflicts. Raise your hand if anybody's had a personality conflict with anybody in their family. I have. I got irritated because um, one of my family members was running down her own children, talking about her own children like dogs. And then she started talking about my brother like a dog. And I just let her know, even though she's older than me, and I probably need to go fix this up at some point, that the next time you, you, you talk about my brother in front of me or you talk about my cousins in front of me, I'm going to call you down in front of them. And she didn't like that. She didn't like that. But, you know, you have to confront some things um, when they're out of order. And it's just you can't even go around this person without them talking bad about you. And sometimes something like that is what will jerk somebody out of being just a gossiper and saying ugly, untrue things about people. It's, it's, it's frustrating. So um, we fall out with each other. We don't get along, divorces. And so there are times that we have to pull together in family. And one of those, number one, is turbulent times. When things become turbulent, you know, on an aircraft, when you're riding on an airplane, the, the captain will come on and say, you know, um, uh, we're going to experience some turbulence, you know, over the next few minutes, just wear your seatbelt, pull it tight, and, and uh, just ride it out. And so you just put on your seatbelt and you just ride it out. Things get rough for a little while, we just ride it out. It's just for a season. You know, the terrible twos in a family, that's tough. Nobody gets you rest when you're going through the terrible twos with your, with your little children. It's hard. But you just ride that season out. They'll become three or four and they'll just be a big delight again. Amen? 
So that's turbulent times. They don't, the tough times don't last, but tough people do. So we stick together and we outlast the storm. Then number two, taxing times. This is the added pressure of caring for a sick family member, financial issues, someone loses a job, but everybody pulls together and you make it through like this COVID-19. You know, we pull together financially. We pull together to, to just make everything work. That's taxing times. All right. And then number three is a totally different type and that's toxic times. When things become toxic in your relationships, when there's abuse going on, somebody's being threatened or abused emotionally, physically, or mentally. Somebody's using drugs in your house. You know, you have to make some tough love decisions. Somebody's, you know, stealing the television, the family television, the family lawnmower to go pawn and buy drugs. You know, that's a time to put in a, 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 a security system, to change the locks on the door, tell this child they are not welcome to come to your house. Um, you, have to, you have to make some tough love decisions. I'm not telling you what to do in your situation. I'm just saying that you've got to come together and make some decisions about how you're going to handle that because when things get toxic, it's time to bust a move. It's time to bust a move. You know, when um, one spouse is cheating on the other, that's time to bust a move. Because, you know, these days, you bring home something that'll kill me. If you find out somebody's been cheating on you, the first thing you need to do is go to the doctor and get checked and make sure you're okay and um, do whatever you need to do to safeguard yourself until this person begins to be righteous again and you put your marriage back together or, or until you guys go your own way. Amen, somebody. These, these things are hard to talk about. But when things are toxic and things are going on in the family that, that are illegal or illegal drugs and that type of thing, you know, you have to make some serious decisions and have some tough love situations where it's not easy, but you can do it. God will bring you through it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Hallelujah. So, um, you know, abuse. Abuse is never okay in a family. Abuse is never okay. Mental, emotional, um, physical abuse. I know there was a woman who went to um, Bishop Hilliard one time and said, uh, Bishop, my husband told me that, that, uh, that one of these days he was going to blow my brains out. What should I do? He said, well, do you like your brains? She said, what do you mean? Well, do you like your brains? Because if he says he's going to blow your brains out, people say that stuff until one day they finally do it. So if somebody is threatening you, if somebody says they're going to kill you, if somebody is, you know, uh, mentally and emotionally beating you down every day, my doctor told me that if I didn't get out of the situation that I was in where I was being mentally and emotionally abused every single day, he said, you're looking at a stroke or a heart attack. You don't allow somebody to beat you down until you have a stroke or a heart attack. Because nothing was ever right. Nothing was ever good enough. I'd get an email or a text or get screamed in my face why I was a terrible wife and why I was a terrible person. You know, when, when I would just hear a door close or open in the other room, it would cause like this shock in my chest that would just go like, like a gunshot in my chest and it would go to my fingertips and my toes. When I explained it to the doctor, he said, that's adrenaline. That's the flight or flight, fight or flight mechanism that, that God gives us to get out of serious, fearful situations. But if you are constantly releasing adrenaline into your body, it's not healthy. It can cause you, the doctor said, you're going to have a stroke or you're going to have a heart attack. So, you know, you can choose to stay in abuse for, and give a person uh, 
time to try to get it together. You can pray, you can believe God, you confess the word over him, but when your life becomes in danger, when your mental health is in danger, your emotional health has just been beat down, you've got to decide, I'm not living like this. And you have every right, you have every right to leave that situation. If the person will go to counseling, if the person will take medication or the person will do something to try to make things right, you know, I think you ought to wait to leave until you have done everything you can do. And once you know you've done everything you could do, you've given them every opportunity and they still refuse, then you have a right to go on and and let the grace of God cover you and go on and have a good life. Amen. Amen. I know this stuff is, is sometimes hard to hear, but we, you know, I get calls from people every single day who are going through terrible situations and not knowing what to do, how to handle the situation. And, you know, I I hate that I had to get all the wisdom, (laughs) you know, in my life, but I thank God that I have some some wisdom to give out. Amen. That let let it work together for good. Amen. So the grace of God is a reservoir of strength, power and emotional fortitude to live out the principles of righteousness in distasteful situations no matter how difficult they are. Y'all see that? Did I put that in your note sheet? Amen. So you've got to draw on the grace of God. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others in your family, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. 2 Corinthians 12.8-9, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then, and then verse 10, uh, Paul says, for when I'm weak, then am I strong. So we have the grace of God to make it through every situation we could ever face in families. Father, we thank you for your word that's been sown in our hearts today. And Lord, we just decide that we're just going to knock down every wall, every wall that we've created in in our families, in our relationships. Lord, we just decide that we we knock them all down in the name of Jesus. And if we have to go brick by brick and examine how it got there, and Lord, deal with those situations, deal with those things so that we can have a happy joy life. Lord, we know that you didn't come that we'd have a jacked up life, but you came that we would have life and have it more abundantly and abundance to the full till it overflows. So God, we just ask you to, to brood over our families, to Lord, bring correction in areas where we need to correct, to bring us Lord, uh, to the knowledge of the truth of our situation, Lord, that we would receive the knowledge and the wisdom of God to apply to whatever is going on in our own marriages, in our own households. So, Father, we thank you. The tools that we've gotten today for our tool chest, we'll take them home and we'll use them, Father, that we'll be more appreciative of one another, that we'll put our our comments in a love sandwich, that, God, we'll um, not allow a wall to be built up between us, but, Lord, we'll draw on your grace that is sufficient for us, that, Lord, if the situation doesn't change, that you give us the grace to make it through it. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Well, maybe you're watching online. I believe I know everyone in here is saved. Maybe let's just pray the, the prayer of salvation in case there's anyone here or anyone watching online that maybe you don't know if you're right with God. You might say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God today. I know that I'm not living the way that I should live, that I haven't given my heart and my life to him. I haven't been forgiven for my sins. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we say we haven't sinned, we're liars. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, when we decide to trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, it means that He's already gone to the cross and paid the price for the wrong that we did. He's already paid the price. And we receive that free gift of grace. We receive that free gift of forgiveness. 
by faith. So I'm just going to lead you in a very simple prayer. Just everyone repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose, and sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you raised him up on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and you're here today, inside your welcome packet, there is a connection card. If you would, just take that out and fill it out. And uh, if you would, on the back, there's a place that says, Yes, I choose Jesus and uh, commit my life to him as my Lord. So just put a big check mark right there. Any other questions you have, like how to grow in your relationship with Christ, if you would, just um, make a check mark there, fill out the front, and then you're going to take it over here to the VIP Welcome Center where uh, Mr. Ernest is going to be. Where is Mr. Ernest? There he is. So you're going to take it to Mr. Ernest, turn it in over there, and uh, he's going to receive it from you and and give you a little gift that we prepared for you today. All right, y'all. It's offering time. For those of you who are watching online, um, there is... uh, on the app, if you haven't downloaded the Acceleration Church app, we need for you to do that. You definitely need to. You can listen to all our sermons 24-7, absolutely free. But um, you want to download the app because if you just prayed that prayer of salvation, on the very first page of the app, there is a, a, a button that says commitment card. So nobody gets to sneak into heaven. You've got to let somebody know that you, that you made a decision for Christ today. So press that commitment card, and then it tells you what else you need to do in those steps uh, moving forward with Christ. Amen. Well, it's offering time. This is the time in our service where we give back to God. We give our tithes and we give our offerings. Man, I'll tell you, God has been so good um, this year as we declared plenty, plenty in 2020 at the beginning of the year. And and, uh, I began to challenge you to become tithers in manifestation. Man, this has just been a great year as far as giving. Giving is, I believe, higher than it was last year at this time. Is that amazing? Can y'all just give yourselves a great big hand of praise? I just um, so appreciate y'all giving. We've been able to almost finish the children's ministry. We have a few little odds and ends, things that we need to finish up, and then we need to staff it. So we need volunteers and people who can help with the children's ministry, but um, it's absolutely amazing. And then also, so today on your way out, I'd love for you to stop and, and check it out. Just take a look at it if you haven't seen it yet. Take a look at the children's ministry and see how we've built out the blast zone. And then also the old children's ministry, we got brand new carpet in. I'm so excited. We still have some touch-up painting to do in there, but I'd love for you to stop and take a look in there. So, Yuri, if you'll make sure the doors are open to Children's Church so they can go in without having to touch the knobs and then make sure the other way. You have to do it right now. You can do it after offering, okay? All right, so um, we need for you to continue to give. Make sure that you continue to be a tither in manifestation for whatever is um, going to be going on economically. We're believing God for a miracle economically in the United States, amen, that, that we live according to the um, kingdom of God and because um, because we're tithers and givers, because we're tithers and givers, listen to me, because we're tithers and givers, the windows of heaven cannot shut. The windows of heaven will not roll shut for us because of things that are happening on the earth. Amen. 
Because we're tithers and givers. He said, try me now in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing. You will not have room enough to receive it. 